Welcome to the Mo Sports Podcast, number 75, for the 17th of January, 2022. Tai Tai, with your host, Dr. David Overby. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Dave Overby, and I'm your host for the Mo Sports Podcast. This is the Mo Sports Podcast recorded on Monday, January the 17th. 2022 Kentucky coming off an explosive offensive performance against Tennessee, blowing out the Volunteers 107 to 79 on uh, Saturday. And uh, the next time you need to be reminded of how much defense and rebounding are a distraction from talking about winning basketball, remember these uh, two stats from last Saturday's game. Tennessee shot 47.8 from three-point range. They were 11 of 23 on three-pointers. And they were basically even with Kentucky on the boards. Kentucky had a one-rebound advantage, 23 to 22. And Kentucky won the game 107 to 79. The reason is offense. And in particular, the move late in the first half after Severe Wheeler picked up his second foul on the charging call. Ty Ty Washington takes over the point, and he immediately hit uh, two mid-range pull-up jumpers on drives from the top of the key, and that ignited Kentucky's offense in the half-court set. And then on the next possession, Washington's penetration uh, drew the defense and opened up Kellen Grady on the left wing, who continues to be uh, on fire on threes. Um, Grady with another uh, big game on three-pointers against uh, Tennessee, going a four of seven on three-pointers. And then also Davion Mintz, who has hit the ignition button on his game. Mintz continuing his hot shooting. Mintz two two for three on three-pointers. And uh, John Calipari likes to talk about a lot of things when it comes to winning basketball games, but that three-point shooting, uh, with all the other good things that Kentucky uh, is doing, um, and uh, sharing the basketball, I know that Calipari is big on that, and uh, Severe Wheeler, in his return, eight assists to go along with uh, 21 points, but no matter what you want to say about uh, Wheeler's ability to pass the ball, you can't have an assist unless somebody makes a shot. And uh, that's what uh, Washington has been doing. And he had a great game, a career game against Tennessee. Look at these numbers. Washington had 28 points, 10 of 13 field goals, 8 of 9 on two-pointers. And these were two-pointers, but these were not just uh, shots at the rim, as is kind of the prototype Calipari offense. Washington was hitting uh, some uh, – mid-range shots that were outside shots on these pull-up jumpers. Again, King that run uh, at the end of the first half. Um, So eight of nine on two-pointers. That's 89% to go along uh, with a two for four from three-point range and uh, also six of six at the free-throw line. But here's the way to look at the point guard situation uh, if you're Kentucky. So when the score was 36-30 to in the first half, with um, uh, just under six minutes to go. And uh, they called the charge on Wheeler, and Wheeler goes to the bench, right? If Kentucky is better with Wheeler at the point, then what's going to happen? Well, Kentucky has other good players, so 
playing at home, um, they can probably tread water, keep it a six-point lead. They might build it, but they wouldn't build it significantly. Or if it's a sure thing that, that Kentucky is better with Wheeler at the point and they really, really need him badly, then Wheeler goes on uh, to, to the bench and then uh, Kentucky struggles to score. They turn the ball over. They can't get good shots. And Tennessee goes into the locker room with the lead. And the complete opposite of that happened. Yes, Kentucky played well all game long, but it was then there at the end of the first half uh, that last uh, four to five minutes of the first half when Washington took over at the point and uh, started out by being really aggressive and Washington plays more aggressive when he has the ball in his hands uh, at, at the point <clears throat> rather than when he's at the more uh, calculating position on the wing and playing as a supplemental uh, score. But the offense also really clicks when Washington is at the point because unlike Wheeler, uh, Washington is a perimeter scoring threat uh, at that point guard position, and we know from the Georgia game that Wheeler has no problem. Uh, I'm sorry, that Washington has no problem uh, passing the ball and setting up his uh, teammates for uh, for scores. Again, getting that uh, record of 17 assists. So it's time to turn it over to uh, to Ty Ty and think about it with the John Calipari Final Four teams going all the way back to the Derrick Rose team in 2008, right? Gets to the championship game, loses in overtime to Kansas. That's Derrick Rose. That's a, a freshman, a star freshman player. At Kentucky, Brandon Knight, Marquise Teague, Andrew Harrison. Star freshman players. That's exactly what Ty Ty Washington is, and he plays better, and the team is even better than it may be with Wheeler at the point when Washington is at the point. Now, the good thing that Calipari did uh, toward the end of the game, the last ten minutes of of the uh, of the game against uh, Tennessee, as the second half went on it seemed that Calipari was using Washington and Wheeler more as combo guards. That is, no one is really fixed at the point or on the wing. They're taking their turns running things. That's a good look. That's a good way to get Wheeler integrated, reintegrated uh, into the mix, but not to lose what Kentucky obviously gained with Wheeler out and Washington taking over the point is that Washington has become a better player. So let's actually learn from that and use it to our advantage and make Kentucky this offensive machine uh, rather than insist on the team has to be about Wheeler. And that is an interesting thing to see uh, coming. And Calipari likes to talk about speed and being fast, but most of basketball is played in the half-court set, and it's the ability to execute in the half-court set, to take care of the basketball, to get good shots, and to knock down a good percentage of those shots. Consistently, that's what makes you a good offensive team, and that's what's going to win the big games. No doubt about it. And conversely, if you can't do these things, then uh, forget it. Uh, You're going to do like... Uh, Oregon State did the other night, um, playing a good game against uh, USC, but then uh, going cold uh, down the stretch, losing their composure, uh, not being able to take good shots, and uh, uh, going uh, uh, scoreless. So those scoring droughts, think about Kentucky uh, against LSU, 
the tough part of that game for Kentucky was a long stretch, about eight minutes, only one field goal. That's why you lose the game. Completely different team against Tennessee. Kentucky was just rolling the whole game on. But uh, the point has to be driven home that the best look uh, for Kentucky going forward is to be that offensive machine in the half-court set. And if you were to look at the shot chart of Kentucky's win, again, a fantastic performance. Also, this coming on the uh, day of commemorating the late Joby Hall, uh, who passed away. Hall was Kentucky's coach from 1972 to 1985 and coached the 1978 National Champions and also the 1984 Final Four team. Uh, But Kentucky got off to a great start. Uh, Kellen Grady with the uh, two three-pointers early on to put Kentucky up 12-5. And um, it was as if the the better that Tennessee played, the harder they made it uh, for themselves because that was just going to make Kentucky play that much better. Anyway, so with the shot chart, you're basically looking at Kentucky uh, playing a, a, a wonderful offensive game like this is a game to look at to show excellent offense and about a third of the points are coming uh, at the rim a third are coming mid-range and the other third are coming from three-pointers and this graphic representation of the shot chart is backed up by the numbers because look at the three-point shooting that's 11 of 16 on three-pointers. Of course, that's terrific three-point shooting, and it's not just that it's a really good uh, percentage, right, uh, which, uh, which of course, it is. That's a, that's a 61% for the game on, on three-pointers, but it's the productivity to go along with a really good percentage of, of 11. So, 11 three-pointers, 11 times 3 is 33. That's 33 points coming on three-pointers. In 33, uh, you're looking to get a third of your points on three-pointers, so 33 uh, times three is 99. The team scored 107. So the three-pointers were were providing right around just below, but very close to one-third of the offense. Everything else is coming on the fast breaks, the the post scores uh, inside, and then uh, Washington... uh, especially getting those uh, pull-up jumpers uh, scoring from the point, which really looks unstoppable. And you have Mintz and Grady on the wings uh, lighting up. So so Kentucky is, no doubt about it, looking good. And that uh, trio of perimeter scores of uh, Grady, Washington, and Mintz against Tennessee, 8 of 14 among the three of them. So that's the bulk of Kentucky's excellent uh, three-point shooting. Really nothing bad uh, at all to say about the game against Tennessee, although uh, we have to remember that the game uh, was another game in, in Rupp Arena, and Kentucky has its most formidable tests still on the horizon, including a game at Knoxville, and we all know what it's like to try to win a game uh, there where it's pretty much a guarantee that Tennessee is going to shoot at least twice as many free throws as Kentucky. Um, although Kentucky did win in Knoxville uh, last year, and then also 
the uh, the previous year. It's the, the teams have been winning on the other team's home court. Uh, Tennessee had won the last two in Rupp Arena and had also won in uh, 2018. Uh, but this was a, a bad day, a un- most unpleasant day for for Tennessee. It was a, a spanking. Media uh, recalled uh, Kentucky beating Tennessee uh, seventy four to forty five in Nashville in the semifinals of the SEC tournament. Uh, that's of course that was John Calipari's uh, first team. Um, but this game uh, taking place in Rupp Arena was more reminiscent, and especially the, w- the way Kentucky just rolled the whole game all the way through, uh, of the 101-40 to 40, uh, beating uh, that was administered uh, to uh, Tennessee uh, in the 1993 quarterfinals of the SEC tournament. And uh, Allen Houston was uh, completely uh, shut down by a, a ferocious Rick Pitino defense. Uh, Pitino and Kentucky, no doubt, smarting from that four-point play at the end of the game in Knoxville a uh, week earlier. Kentucky heavily favored but couldn't hold on to a 68-62 to lead with under three minutes to go and lost that game 78-77, to but then came back and <laughs> beat him 101-40. to so uh, that was uh, definitely what one might call a payback. But there's still the game in Knoxville to go, and that comes after Saturday at Auburn. Auburn, really the new rival uh, for Kentucky, especially since they beat Kentucky in that 2019 regional final. It'll be at Auburn on Saturday, and then Kentucky has games at Kansas and then at Alabama before having a game uh, at, at Knoxville. Now, if we can continue to see Kentucky play good half-court offense, shoot a good percentage of three-pointers, be productive, um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with who's getting the more minutes at the point and more possessions and how that corresponds to Kentucky's productivity uh, offensively. And the thing that is always uh, the question mark with Wheeler not to take anything away from what he delivers uh, for Kentucky. And again, big numbers coming back, 21 points, 8 assists, knocked down a three-pointer from the wing. like to see that, but still on the season, only 17% on three-pointers for Wheeler. Uh, so you worry about a, a, a defense, well-coached team. They're playing off Wheeler, and does that bog down the offense? But it's not so much about Wheeler. It's just to look at how really, really, really good – Washington is at the point he really seems to be a much better, more confident, more aggressive player. And Washington, no doubt about it, is the better player between him and Wheeler. And Calipari can't take that away or mess with that uh, with Kentucky uh, for any reason, no matter how Calipari had uh, decided to design the team. So uh, let's take a look at the notes uh, from the week and uh, – we can see that fortunes uh, change quickly here in this college basketball season. Uh, Baylor had been rolling, defending national champions undefeated. And then there's uh, Oregon, who's uh, had some uh, pretty good teams in in uh, recent seasons, making it to the uh, 2017 Final Four, losing to North Carolina in the national uh, semifinals, but was off to a, a really a bad start this year, a bad loss against uh, Brigham Young. Uh, but the two teams basically uh, traded uh, uh, places um, 
and are now going in opposite uh, directions from where they were. Baylor going 0-2 this week uh, with losses to Texas Tech and to Oklahoma State, and it's the second loss to Oklahoma State that is uh, really the head-scratcher, and you wonder what's uh, going wrong for Baylor, and it's all about the offense. Through these two losses, Baylor only shooting 30% as a team from three-point range and only putting up 54 points in the loss to Oklahoma State. It's like, hey, if you can't even make it to 60, uh, even if you're playing at home, it doesn't matter who you are, uh, it's going to be awfully tough to um, win that game and then just barely getting over 60 in the loss to uh, Texas Tech. Meanwhile, Oregon goes on the road and wins at UCLA and then at USC. And that would be impressive under any circumstances. But that's two teams in the top five. UCLA number three, USC number five. And just like Baylor struggling with the offense going 0-2, Oregon's offense kicks into gear. We have 84 points and an 84-81 win in overtime versus UCLA, and then 79 points and a 79-69 to win versus uh, USC. So that's an average of 81.5 points a game in those two wins. You want to win some big games, score the ball. Offense. Right? And again, think about it. If you were going to be told before Saturday's game against Tennessee – Tennessee's going to make 11 three-pointers. They're going to they're going to shoot 48% from three-point range and they're going to be even with Kentucky on the boards. People would be saying, "Well, it looks like it's going to be another uh Tennessee win in Rep Arena or it's going to be a close game." The last thing according to the John Calipari gospel and the other dogma spouted by the sports media about basketball is that it would have been a big time blowout. No one would have said it doesn't make any difference. Like how do they do on offense? Uh, but that's what the game came down to. Um, so the two teams uh, switching places, and so the thing to look for is, will Baylor stabilize and get things rectified? It's a slump. But here's the interesting thing that I think you always have to look at is uh, early in conference play, and we're about a third of the way now um, into, uh, into, into conference play, um, when a team that has been undefeated then loses uh, two straight games, uh, that suggests that they're playing in a really tough conference and that the non-conference schedule, as it turns out, may not have been as uh, tough as people thought that it was. So it doesn't necessarily mean that Baylor has fallen apart, but the, the competition has stiffened up. Uh, still, you have to be concerned about coming back from the Texas Tech loss and rather than being fired up and saying, I can't believe we lost and, oh, well, pressure's off. We don't have to worry about being undefeated. Let's go out and uh, and, and take care of business and, uh, and, and beat this Oklahoma State team, which is uh, not among the top teams in the Big 12, but an even worse offensive performance. Uh, meanwhile, uh, for Oregon... Uh, it was uh, the guard uh, Richardson having a big game from three-point range, going five of eight on threes. And uh, for the two games, the two big wins against uh, UCLA and USC, he went six for 12. So you get um, <clears throat> one of your guards, if you're Oregon, uh, hitting 50% on threes, all of a sudden you get that good three-point shooting. The offense kicks into gear. You're putting up the points, and now you can start winning games. 
meanwhile, the most disappointing team, and now, and this has gone on long enough that we can say it's not just a matter of a slow start, but there's just uh, something wrong with the way that uh, Penny Hardaway is doing things in Memphis. Memphis is now nine and seven and lost to East Carolina, uh, seventy-two to seventy-one, and it's turnovers. It's seventeen turnovers uh, for Memphis, and this idea that a, a good offense, a freewheeling offense, is is a good thing because you're careless with the basketball is just so anti-fundamental. You definitely will not win. You definitely will not be a champion. Not valuing the basketball, it's those ability to do those basic things consistent consistently, like to uh, hit those pull-up jumpers on those uh, on those mid-range jumpers, and then uh, to uh, make the simple pass uh, and to be able to knock down those open shots the way that Davion Mintz and Kellen Grady have uh, continued to do. Uh, Kentucky more than doubles Louisville in scoring. I want to talk, talk about teams going in opposite directions. We were mentioning um, the turnaround simultaneously uh, from down to up for Oregon and from up to down for Baylor. And we've got Kentucky and Louisville going in opposite directions. While Kentucky was scoring 107 points in the win over Tennessee, Louisville was losing at Pittsburgh 65-53. to So that's 53 points scored by Louisville. Uh, and I believe if you uh, multiply that by two, it's going to come out every time to be 106. And that's... One less than 107 every time. So, yep, Kentucky more than doubles Louisville. And uh, if you're a Louisville fan, you've got to be worried because that uh, loss to Pittsburgh comes after a lethargic uh, loss to a mediocre North Carolina State team at home. And, uh, I mean, let's face it, playing Pittsburgh anyway is kind of boring, but then you only score 53 points and lose. Long gone are the days when you would go into Pittsburgh and uh, and at one point have them down uh, 98 to 39. When might have that have ever happened? Oh, that could have happened on January the 24th, 2017, when Rick Pitino's Louisville team went into Pittsburgh and won 106 to 51. So instead of doing that, you now have Chris Mack uh, losing second in a row for Louisville at Pittsburgh, 65 to 53. Um, and that is half of 106 to 53 points. Meanwhile, Louisville fans uh, think about this. Patino at Iona uh, has the Gales 14-3, and 6-0 and in the MAAC. They've won four of their last five. And they are also scoring the ball 78-55 to 55 over uh, Niagara and 88-76 to 76 over Manhattan. And Iona is doing it at the free throw line. They're fourth in the nation in makes with 17.1. They are also doing it on the defensive end with block shots. They're 12th in blocks at 5.8 blocks per game. Travis Ford is the uh, guard we were trying to think of, the point guard for Kentucky in that big comeback against uh, LSU in the previous podcast. Of course, uh, Ford, a Kentucky product, and another excellent three-point shooter, but again, talking about the importance of having multiple three-point shooters uh, on the floor if you want to have a good uh, offense uh, to be consistent and to win those big games and to be able to make a big comeback like uh, Kentucky did there in February of uh, 1994. Of course, we were uh, uh, having fun uh, 
criticizing the comparison that uh, it would have been a, another Mardi Gras miracle if Kentucky could have somehow won at LSU a couple of weeks ago when uh, Wheeler had that uh, unfortunate injury. But good to see him uh, come back. Everything is rolling uh, for the Kentucky Wildcats. The only thing to keep in mind is that the uh, toughest games are still ahead. So, um, and again, we think that it's time to turn it over to Ty Ty, and that uh, it really needs to be uh, Ty Ty Washington's team at the point, and uh, Wheeler needs to be used more as a combo guard, and perhaps see his minutes, uh, Wheeler's minutes, uh, slightly uh, reduced. And uh, the more we can have Washington at the point and Mince and Grady on the floor at the same time, and then you have Schwebe in the in the post. I mean, there's. Um, that is a uh, no. No matter how you look at it, it's a pick, pick your poison dilemma for the defense. Uh, you've got a person at the point guard who uh, who can score from the uh, perimeter. Both wings can shoot. If you double the post, they're going to be open. If you worry about the wings, Shibway has definitely shown he can score one on one in the post. So uh, we need to continue to see the good offense from Kentucky moving forward. Uh, let's see. With uh, tennis, uh, one of the big stories has been uh, Djokovic, uh, the the uh, the top uh, men's tennis player, and it's been um, club shutdown uh, for Djokovic trying to get um, into the Australian Open. Australians aren't having it, and now France has said that Djokovic can't play in the French Open unless he gets vaccinated. So if the guy doesn't want to get vaccinated, I don't care what happens. It's not at all. Uh, Nothing unfair about telling him uh, he can't play. Uh, he either wants to or, or not. If you want to, uh, get get vaccinated. But uh, he's definitely being uh, a dickhead because he thinks he should be able to flaunt the rules and travel internationally and go into countries where people have sacrificed, at this point, uh, two years of their life doing the right thing, wearing masks, getting vaccinated, staying at home, trying not to spread this um, uh, deadly virus, which unfortunately is still with us. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, we can uh, enjoy sports. Uh, this is a particularly great time if you love college basketball and the NFL playoffs, which we certainly do here in the Most Sports Network. And we are picking the Arizona Cardinals uh, to beat the L.A. Rams in their NFL playoff game that is set to start here in just over uh, 30 minutes. We want to say uh, thank you to the IFBR studios in Louisville, Kentucky, for their excellent technical and production work. And we also want to thank you, the listener, uh, for listening to us. And we invite you to our page, the Most Sports Podcast Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash mopod.mosports, where you can find articles on the latest games and commentary on how the coaches, teams, and players are doing. Until next time, this is Dr. Dave Overby, and you've been listening to the Mo Sports Podcast. Find Dr. Overby's extended game analysis and philosophical ponderings on Facebook at facebook.com slash mopod.mosports. On Twitter, we're at mosports. And there's a poorly upkept webpage of episodes at psychicreform.com slash most sports. But we don't recommend relying on it. The webmaster is lazy. 
subscribe to the show on iTunes or the RSS feed available at all the places. Join us next week for another installation of the Mo Sports Podcast, your source for intelligent analysis of sports. Sporty Sports Sports.